Hello, and welcome to Canada Reads America Style. I'm Shauna. And I'm Rebecca. This month in November for our Love and Laughter series, we read the book, The Woolfield Poultry Collective by Susan Juby. Okay, you're totally saying that like Tyra Banks on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. It really drives me crazy how she, like, does that. Anyway, okay, sorry about that. For all of you who are watching Dancing with the Stars, I miss Tom Bergeron. That's all I want to say. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay. The questions that we're going to answer tonight uh, came from a an amazing group of five women out of Windsor, Ontario, who have a bookstagram account called We Are Beautiful Words. And... They just launched a small business where they are selling bookmarks that have these amazing questions on them. And if you go to their website, which is, of course, wearebeautifulwords.ca, you will see a few of the questions and then the other ones are blurred out, which of course makes sense because they don't want to give away everything uh, on the website. But I did give them a heads up that we were going to give them a shout out because the questions are really great fun to really make you think of a deeper level of the book perhaps you're going to be reviewing. Because let's face it, when we look at the questions that are often in the back of the book, it's so specific to that book that you're reading, but they've really come up with questions that are designed to get you thinking a little bit deeper about the book that you've read. So we are going to be using some of their, well, all of the questions we're going to be asking come from those bookmarks. This is your spoiler announcement. If you do want to read the Woolfield Poultry Collective by Susan Juby, then right now, go ahead and take a pause and come back and listen to the rest of this podcast once you have gotten the chance to read it. Otherwise, feel free to continue listening along. Okay, so are we ready to start with our questions, Shauna? Actually, do you want to do a little overview of the book? Thank you very much. Yes, I would. <laughs> Okay, so the Woefield Poultry Collective is a story about a young woman from New York, well, Brooklyn, but New York City area, and she inherits a farm. And she's really at a crossroads in her life, doesn't know what to do. She's not happy. She's written a young adult novel that didn't go that well. And she gets this opportunity to take on this farm from, through an inheritance her uncle passes. And she goes there and she goes there with high hopes, <laughs> probably unrealistic hopes, but she goes there. And the story is told in alternating chapters. Prudence is the woman from New York. Sarah is this young girl who has a, a bunch of chickens and she and her family want to be able to put the chickens on Prudence's land so that they can live a better life. And so Sarah is a character, but I think she's what, maybe like 10 years old or something. And then there is Seth, who lives across the street with his mother and then gets kicked out. And he's about 20 years old and he is uh, an alcoholic. He moves in with her to, because he has nowhere else to go, basically. And then there's Earl. And Earl is about maybe like 75, 76 years old. And he lives on the property. He's lived there for 30 years, was living there uh, when her uncle ran the place. And he's kind of the groundskeeper sort of. He takes care of everything, except I'm not so sure he did that well doing all of that. So it's really about these four characters, and they are alternating chapters. And it's a, I will just say, it's a quick read. It's an 
kind of an easy read and we'll get more into it as we kind of answer our questions. So are we perhaps ready to start with our first question? We certainly are. Okay. So why did you read this book? And the reason we read this book is, as you know, we decided to do this love and laughter series. And so we did our two romances, Aisha at Last and The Switch. And when I started looking, because I told Shauna, I'd be happy to look up the titles and figure out what we would read next. And when I was really <laughs> looking for them, I'm like, son of a gun. It's really hard to find books that are, quote, funny, unless you're sort of reading, you know, like a joke book or something, right? Because the thing that you will, we will learn as we talk about this book this month and the one for next month, humor is subjective. And there's a wide range of what humor means. Could it, is it slapstick? Is it subtle? Is it raunchy? Is it not? That kind of thing. And so it was really difficult to try to find a title. I looked around and found the Stephen Leacock Awards in Canada. And the book, the sequel to this book, The Republic of Dirt, actually won the award for best, book, best humorous book or whatever that year it was published, I guess. And I thought, well, I don't want to read the second in the series. Let's go ahead and read the first one, assuming, of course, that this one would have humor in it since the second one won the award. So that is exactly how the Woefield Poultry Collective was selected. Do you have anything, Shauna, you want to add to that? No. <laughs> that was a long hesitation. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. That does explain why we picked it. All right. What part of the story sticks with you, Shauna? Right off the bat, just to give everybody a little bit of context, I grew up in a very rural area. I grew up near a farm. My my grandparents lived right next door and I took care of all their animals. They had horses, pigs, cows, uh, chickens, basically a hobby farm is uh, what that was called. And that's kind of what Prudence is starting off with in her story. When she moves out to the farm, she has one sheep and Sarah brings out all the chickens. And I am not the biggest fan of birds, particularly chickens. So when we had to read this book and Rebecca introduces the title to me, I'm like, okay, I can, I can do this. And the, but the title of the book has poultry in it. So, and in all fairness, no, in all fairness, I did forget that you had a thing about chickens. <laughs> I'm sorry. I honestly forgot. To say the least, with this, with my background being so close to what's actually uh, talked about in the story, I wasn't the biggest fan of how certain information was portrayed about rural farming communities. What really kind of stuck with me the most is there is a time period in which they are trying to take care of a sheep and a lot, all four characters are involved in trying to take care of this sheep. And the sheep is actually the, the person who gets the most harm done to it. Although Seth is also, he ends up getting bashed in the head and needing to get, have some care done to him as well. But that particular part of the story was the part that was like, oh, if someone ever talks about this title or says, oh, hey, I read that book. The very first thing that I think of is when they're trying to shear the sheep and uh, clip its hooves, 
they are none of them have any experience in doing it so they're trying to to group effort it by watching a movie from the library which props to them for going to the library at least <laughs> but none of them paid attention to the video and none of them were skilled enough to see that something was wrong when they were trying to actually do the the care that was needed for the animal and so that was just a little off-putting for me and for me i have to preface it too because you have that background in a lifestyle that's similar to what they're going through whereas for me i'm going to preface it first and then i'll say what part sticks out without to me but one of the reasons when I picked up this book, I saw that uh, Susan Juby did it sort of as an homage to The Cold Comfort Farm, which was a book that has a similar tale that was published in 1932. And I never read the book, but I PBS back in the late 80s, I think it was, they did maybe like a three or four part series of the book. And I loved it. And at the time, it was just, and, and I remember too, everybody was sort of talking about Cold Comfort Farm. And I think there are still actors today that talk about, you know, that the influence that that movie had. And Kate Beckinsale actually played the main character in that book. So for me, coming into this book, I had a really warm feeling about it because of that connection to Cold Comfort Farm. So that's the first thing. So I expected to like the book, number one. Now, the part of the story that sticks with me is... It's actually, Shauna, you tell a, that is a part that I'd kind of forgotten about. So thanks for reminding me of that horrific part about the sheep, because that really bothered me. I didn't, I didn't like that at all, because as some of you may know, like I'm a big donkey fan. I go to the Donkey Sanctuary of Canada often, and I've heard horrific stories about how donkeys are treated and how they're not cared for. And that brought all that back when I was here reading about the sheep. So I didn't like that part at all. But the part that sticks with me is Sarah, because Sarah is such an innocent little girl who is in a really bad home life situation. And she just wants what I think all humans want, which is connection. And when she, throughout the story, as she becomes closer to these other three people in her life, she develops that love and care and connection with family. And, and I can't get her out of my mind because I always think, you know, Prudence, Seth and Earl are just who they are and they're going to make their way in life. But Sarah is starting out at a deficit. So she's the, she's what resonates with me. And she's the, the character I won't forget. That's the part that will stick with me. The next thing I want to ask, because I think this is the thing that uh, we have a lot to say about, which is what issues do you have with the story? I can see where the author was trying to be funny, and the only problem that I have with it is I think it's I'm too close to the subject because I feel that I have funnier stories than what I read in the book. So at one point, I think I was telling Rebecca, I had read the first maybe five or ten pages, and it talked about an overweight aunt sitting in this stick chair and the stick chair ended up in the aunt's butt and she fell over or something to me like 
I am a chubbier person, and if I sat down in a chair, I do not want the chair to be breaking on me. <laughs> I don't know if it's the aspect of being a little more wholesome or... Ha! There's that word wholesome. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, we have to. Can we just do a side? Can we just do a side note on that? It's so funny. We just had published some stuff. Oh, we did that newbie tag on our YouTube channel, and two separate people said. I mean, two different YouTubers actually said we were wholesome. And I said to Shauna, I go, what the. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say it. What the fuck? I go seriously, Shauna. I go. No one in my entire life, in the history of my life, has ever called me wholesome, and I'm kind of offended by that word because I don't wholesome to me is it just it feels like you're naive or you're simple, but that's what it feels like to me. I'm not saying that's what it is. It's just how it feels to me. So I told Shauna, I go, I go. Is that like a code word for something that? Like they're making fun of us and we don't know it or, or is that an insult or is that a compliment? I don't know. So I just thought that was funny. So, but anyway, so Shauna, go ahead. Cause Shauna does think she has said, you said you have been called wholesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I definitely have been called wholesome and I, I view it as more of a charming thing than anything else. <laughs> I know that's what's so funny about words yeah, right? and labels, but oh. <laughs> I know, but anyway, uh, all right. I'm sorry. I totally took us yeah, off track. No I apologize. Well, um, earlier Rebecca talked about how humor is, can be subjective and the aspect of me being so close to the subject, I think is really kind of where I lost the ability to find this humorous because I have funny stories from you know, my life living out on the farm and uh, some of the things that occur with this book, I haven't had experience with. So like one of the things she dogs Home, T Home Depot employees and it, it yeah, anytime <laughs> I've gone into Home Depot or any store for that matter, I can't find people who will stop helping me. Like they always bother me while I'm shopping and I can't, I can't just go into the store and leave the store. I always have either uh, one of the store people talking to me or a stranger talking to me uh, about things in the store. And it's like, I just came to get one thing and I'm going to leave. I figured out why they do that. See, because my story is opposite. Nobody ever helps me in a store. And so I think here, I finally figured out why. I look confident when I walk in. <laughs> you look like you need help. Yeah, I was going to say, gee, I'm thanks. I'm <laughs> I'm pretty sure I go into the store and <laughs> I know, being I'm like, kidding. okay, I'm going to do this part and then leaving. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding you, of course. <laughs> no, seriously, I am kidding you. But, I mean, there were parts of the story that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the, the, the little bit of romance and I'm glad that that happened. I don't agree with how Prudence treated Eustace in the book, uh, but I like that there were, was romance at least. <laughs> and then... The other thing that I found <laughs> peculiar was while she was living in the city, she was very vegan and, but when she moved to the farm, it didn't seem like she had any of those things with her. And the only thing that really stayed true to her vegan, ethical, sustainable lifestyle was the food. And it talked about all three, uh, Sarah, Earl, and Seth all eating her vegan type food, but I never found any other ways that it was she was trying to stay sustainable. Like she was always making 
accommodations to say, oh, this is this is fine for now. And so I'm curious to see in the second book if she really does make the farm a more sustainable type of avenue, uh, especially because, you know, farmers, if you're not a commercial farmer, then you uh, grow more organically based items than you would commercial farmers. So I'd be very curious to see how that particular portion goes. Another part of the story I don't like is the aspect that she lies. And I kind of feel like that gives the farmers or the rural community a little bit of a like naive, bad rep to say, oh, we just because we deal in trade or we deal in uh, services like a service trade. So like my dad will fix somebody's tractor for them to put up siding on the side of a building kind of deal. That would be considered a service trade, but just because that's how they deal with the monetary value of one service to another doesn't mean that they're so simple that you we deserve to be lied to or that they lie to one another. And so when Prudas lies to the small bank about the uh, helping facility that she's supposed to be doing, and then she goes and turns it into this concert promotional thing. And when she's talking to the bank uh, woman about it and is kind of pretending, oh, it's okay, it's all good, we're going to make money. And as long as the money's here, it's all all fine and dandy. It's like, well, morally, you just lied about helping people. First off, which <laughs> the farming community, that is, you know, you help anybody. If someone walks in your your property it's your responsibility to make sure that that person's okay and you feed or clothe or do whatever you need to do to help them. And the the second bit is like when it, it's like a trust thing. You now expect people to trust you after you've done all this uh, wishy-washy, behind-the-back kind of weird story. It was just, it was, it left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth in regards to like by the end of the story, everybody was still like, oh, Prudence is so nice and great and wonderful. And even though she got Earl's brother back together with him, it's still okay that she lied. I don't know. Honestly, the issue I'm having is how many people don't like this book that, that I've talked to or that I've read their reviews or whatever. And I want to talk about that for a minute because... I think part of what is missing is, again, the context of the book, which is it's not supposed to be a real portrayal of rural living. It was supposed to be this homage to something that was kind of this quirky little story and these quirky little characters. And I think she pulled off, I think she pulled off what she wanted to do really well. And I know people don't like the book for various reasons, which, reasons, which I'll go into in a minute. but. I think that's what I liked about the book is that she did what she probably wanted to accomplish in telling, kind of retelling a story that's known, that's well, well, right. I would say well, fair, well known, fairly well known. But can I ask you, is that mentioned in the back of the book or is it mentioned in the beginning of the book? It's a, I think it's at the back of the book. Yeah, I think it's at the back of the book. And I know what you're going to say is that how would you know that unless you, you know, looked at the back of the book, but I always look at the back of the book. So whenever I get a book, I look to see, first of all, what, how many pages is it? I like to know 
how many pages. So I look, and that's when I often discover all that great wealth of information at the back. So then I read all that stuff. I mean, if it's, if I think they're going to give away the story, I don't read it too closely as also what I do, as you know, I look up authors and I look up who they are in the context of them as writers. So, which I'll talk about in a minute with regard to Seth, but you know, that's why for me, I think she pulled it off beautifully. It's a really simple, almost like a little bit of a fairy tale kind of story where she was just sort of telling this little quirky story about quirky characters. And and one thing I had said to Shauna was back in the old days, you know, I, I'm a big classic movie fan. And, you know, Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland used to do these big MGM musicals. And it was always like they, they were young at the time. And they would always say, they would get a group of kids together and they'd say, let's put on a show. And then they would do this grand, like million dollar production, you know, like this MGM production of a musical that there is no way that a, that a group of kids could ever do that. But it was, so it was, it's always been this longstanding joke. People will say, let's put on a show and knowing that it's going to be this bigger thing than it's supposed to be. And I think that's kind of how I took the book, which is, it's it's silly. There's no and, and we do programming. I've done programming for 20 years. You there's no way on God's green earth they put together a concert in a couple of months with a world famous singer, just even if he was Earl's brother. There's no way any of that happened. And that I, so I'm reading it like this is so fantastical and that's what makes it funny is that it's just it's so out of the realm of reality that it's silly. And that is what's funny. And I do want to say, though, about the humor part of it. I also don't think this book is not funny. I think there are parts of the book that are funny, but this book is sad and painful and ugly at times. It really is. Like some of the, you know, Seth had a lot of like sexually inappropriate comments that he made. And and I, I didn't like that part. And I'm not a prude by any stretch of the imagination, but he offended me. Like I thought, like, like make my skin crawl. And there were, there were behaviors that he did to, you know, he sexually harassed this young woman. And I didn't like that at all. But when I thought about it in in the context of what Susan Juby was trying to do, I sort of felt like, you know, she's kind of putting it out there about how ugly people can be, how cruel and ugly people can be. And yet these four people come together and form this amazing bond and that's really beautiful so and and one of the things too that i want to say about susan juby is when i did my research on her she can she called herself an alcoholic at the age of 16. and at 20 that's when she at least started her path to sobriety now i don't know if that means at 20 she because she actually wrote a book about her life at this point, but I don't know if at 20, she became sober and then stayed sober all of this time or not. I don't know if she fell back at any point in her life. I don't know. But the thing is, people, some people who read the book really did not like Seth and, and they thought that he, she was trying to make, you know, make alcoholism humorous. And I don't think that at all, because I don't think there were sometimes things that Seth said that I thought were funny, like all the characters that's for me humor is a turn of a phrase do i think this was a funny book no and i don't so i don't think it's a humorous book i think it was all those things i said but i think 
if you're reading it thinking you're supposed to laugh through the book, like we're about to laugh through Son of a Critch because that really does sound like it's going to be really funny, I think that's going to be a humorous book. This book has humor in it, but I don't think it's funny. And some of the comments, I just want to mention some of the comments that some people, I read their comments about the book. And someone said they thought it was terrible. It glorified alcoholism, diminished female strength, problematic child parental relationships. Uh, somebody said, turning alcoholism and harassment into comedy, I think, is gross, which, of course, I agree. And then someone said also, I had a hard time finding humor in Seth's and Sarah's stories. And I agree. I don't think their stories are humorous. I think, again, there are moments that are, I, I can't say that I think Sarah is ever humorous, actually. I think Seth is humorous because I'm going to read a line that is my favorite line in the book. But they're not, their stories are not humorous. Their stories are painful. But it's, it's, I think it's a lot of layer. And I, I, I will say this. I do agree with the, the concept that she maybe tried to do too much. I will agree with that. That that I'll give as a criticism. But here's the line that Seth said that I swear to God, like I actually laughed out loud. I sent this to my sister and I thought if you, if this isn't a perfect uh, way to describe someone, because as soon as I read it, I guarantee you, you're going to think of somebody in your life that you've known that looks like this. So Seth says, he's talking about his mom and he says, my uh, my mom's always been the opposite of his aunt, the one that was kind of chubby that broke the stick chair. But he said about his mother, there's nothing to her. She's basically an angry bit of gristle covered in leathery smoker's skin. <laughs> and I'm sorry, <laughs> that made me laugh out loud because everybody knows a woman at some point, whether it's in your family or a friend or someone you see like in a restaurant. But it's a bit, an angry bit of gristle covered in leathery smoker's skin. I'm sorry. Oh, that was hilarious. So, okay. I think we've killed this question. Don't you think by this point? <laughs> Our next question is, which character steals the show for you? So for me, it's Eustace, especially in regards. <laughs> yeah. Especially in regards to when Prudence first meets them. He's like this, such a good looking vet. He's tall, handsome. He's suave charming takes her out to dinner and he he drives a big truck which i'm all for big trucks and then the the only way the only thing i didn't like was how prudence decides to treat him so i think that he treated her quite well he's also like he is a recovering alcoholic and he helps seth and becomes his mentor and I just think that he was the breath of fresh air that this story really needed to have because he's not one of the characters that gets a he we don't ever get to see his viewpoint. He's probably the fifth most talked about character in the in the story. So I would have to say for me it's Eustace. Yeah, and I have to agree that the one thing I didn't like was I do think Prudence was a freaking liar and I didn't like that. And it, that was just over the top for me that she was a liar. And at the end, toward the end, when she says at some point, at one point, well, I'm not going to apologize to Eustace. And then later he says to her, you're, you're not going to apologize, are you? And she said, no. And he was like, okay. And I thought, no, 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 no. So I, that just really irritated the snot out of me because people who can't apologize for their failings or their shortcomings, 
are dead to me. They're just totally dead to me. So I, so prudence, but you know, I will say this, I wonder, I feel like prudence in the city is a completely different character than prudence on the farm. And I'm curious too about how does she become more like how that switch was too quick and it was weird. It was like two different characters. So anyway, I just wanted to say that because I almost forgot. Um, for me, the character that steals the show, and I know all the people who don't like this book are going to kill me for this, but it's Seth. And the thing about Seth is Seth's story about how he, he falls in, well, he's kind of messing around with his high school teacher and he gets humiliated. He goes into seclusion from the time he, he doesn't even finish school. I think it is. He doesn't finish. And he goes into seclusion in his mother's home. And then it's only until he meets Prudence who sort of drags it out of him. And just, and actually, I don't think she's even paying attention to him in the beginning. She's just sort of expecting him to take care of business and do X, Y, Z or, you know, whatever she needs him to do. And I think she, ultimately she realizes he's got a problem, but he, he does. He's a really tragic figure. Now, the bad stuff that he does, like in humil uh, in harassing that young woman, that was really horrible. It was uncomfortable to read. I felt bad for her. I could picture her in my mind's eye sort of cowering to him. He was drunk. I don't think, I think there was a time when he wasn't drunk that he was harassing her, but he was a truly tragic character in that he was a, he was taken advantage of by someone, an authority figure. He was then humiliated. He became an alcoholic. He went into seclusion and he lost all those years of his life. Well, maybe it was like three or four years. So he's his, that character will stand out for me. And he's kind of a jerk. He's such a jerk, but he starts to make changes. And he, he, you know, when, uh, Sarah is too ill to show her chickens. He shows her chickens for her. And he had listened to her enough to be able to recite what he needed to say about the chickens. And I thought, wow, Seth really has made a transition, more, more of a transition than any of the other characters in the story. He really changed from the minute he, you know, was messed up in school to the point where he had become part of that team on the farm. So he stands out for me. Our last question is, do you see yourself reflected in the story? Well, the fact that I've brought up my, my roots from the rural community definitely <laughs> showcases that I see myself reflected in the story, uh, especially in regards to having to clean out the chicken coop and take care of daily tasks and chores. So you obviously see yourself reflected in the story? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I don't see myself reflected in the story at all. <laughs> Not a lick. <laughs> because I uh, grew up in, it's kind of odd. I don't even know what I, I don't know what to call it where I grew up. Because it wasn't, definitely not rural, but not Urban. I don't. I don't. I. I don't think of it as urban, and it was definitely not suburban. So it's kind of a weird, like maybe more urban. I don't really know how to call where I grew up. But as soon as I could, I moved to Los Angeles, and then I lived in the Bay Area, and you know, and everything, and everything in my life, all my vacations are urban. So I don't have any 
Now, my grandparents had a farm and we would go to the farm, but by the time we were old enough to realize what was going on, they didn't have any animals anymore. And they were, my grandfather was retired. So we would just sit on the farm with nothing to do. And it was, I loved my family, but there weren't any animals, which would have been a lot more fun. So I don't see myself reflected in the story, but that's not a bad thing because I, the, one of the reasons I love this book so much is, and I was telling a couple of people this, what I love to read, it's almost like a guilty pleasure. Is that, you know, Shauna, it's like how some people will read like romances as a guilty pleasure, or they'll read like mysteries, you know, like, like cozy mysteries or something kind of as a guilty pleasure. Yeah. This is my kind of book, which means that I like to look in people's, I like to peek in their windows and see how everyday life is going for people. And so these simple little stories that don't necessarily, they're not going to be profoundly informative or they're not going to change my life in any way, but it's simple. It's a simple story about people living and going about their business. I love that. So that is why I love this book. So are we ready to give it our maple leaves? I think so. Okay. I'll let you go first. How many maple leaves are you giving it? I'm going to give it two maple leaves. I still think it's an important story. I think it talks about some important issues. And although I clearly my review of everything that I said today doesn't give me the grand, like overall, I like this book. I think it's okay. So I'm going to give it two, two maple leaves. Okay. I'm giving it four and I would give it, I don't think I would ever give it more than four. And I don't really want to give it less than that because I think there are some really wonderful things about it. The complaints that people have with it, I think I agree with those, but I was able, they, they didn't, they didn't prevent me from really enjoying the whole point of the story. And again, the cold comfort farm references and blah, 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 like all that stuff. I, I, so I gave it a four, wouldn't give it less than that, but definitely wouldn't give it more than that. That is our review of The Woolfield Poultry Collective by Susan Juby. And I'd like to just mention really quickly that we will actually be interviewing two of the women from the We Are Beautiful Words bookstagram account. And we'll be talking about their bookmarks and about their book group. And I hope that you'll join us or we hope you'll join us for that. Don't forget to join us in December for our review of Son of a Critch by Mark Critch. In our last book for the Love and Laughter series for Canada Reads American Style. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and tell all your friends about Canada Reads American Style. Canada Reads American Style.